Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And the sermon today is a little different. And so I want to invite you to take your program uh, and open it. Unfortunately, we ran out of programs this morning. So if you go on your online app, uh, you will be able to see the same information. But I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about the traditions of Christmas. Because a lot of people get confused and go, well, is it okay to have a Christmas tree? Is it okay to have fun with Santa Claus? Uh, Is it okay to do all of this stuff? Well, we're going to talk about the traditions today, and then we're going to talk about how to find Christ in Christmas. So here are some facts about the Christmas holiday. The precise origin of assigning December 25th as the birth date of Jesus is, you ready? It's unclear. Isn't that exciting? The New Testament provides no clues in regards to why December 25th was chosen as Jesus' birthday. So, clear as mud, right? In 221 A.D., Sextus Julius Africanus, say that out loud three times. He identified Jesus' birth date as December 25th. Now let's go back to the early church for a second and gather some data about their thoughts about Jesus' birthday. They did not celebrate Jesus' birthday. You want to know why? Because they believed that the celebration of all birthdays was a pagan ritual. So not only did they not celebrate Jesus' birthday, they didn't celebrate their own birthdays. Why is that? Because in the early church, they didn't celebrate their birthdays. They celebrated the date of their loved one's martyrdom. Why is that? Because they understood in the third century, they understood in the second century, they understood in the first century that if they gave their life to Jesus Christ, it meant they signed their death sentence. They were going to die. And so for them, their birth date was not the focus. It was their rebirth date. It was the day in which they left this life and entered into eternity. Now, the early church, as they celebrated in this way, I want you to understand that somewhere along the way, Christmas began to be widely celebrated And we think with a specific liturgy around the 9th century. Catholic churches had midnight mass. Protestant churches, evangelical churches like Vanguard, had candlelight services that meet on Christmas Eve. Now, I don't know what your tradition was, but I grew up in the great state of Kentucky. Yes, that was a good win yesterday. All right, I had to get that in there, all right? And... I had never heard of a Christmas Eve service until I moved here. And I remember when we first started Vanguard, somebody said to me, 
are you all going to have Christmas Eve, sir? I go, could you explain to me what that is? I don't know what this is. And so there's all kinds of traditions. Let me tell you about my tradition. I grew up with New Year's Eve services. We called them watch night services. And a watch night service is where we would show up at church at 8 p.m. on New Year's Eve, and because we were Baptist, we ate, okay? Because we like to eat. Yes and amen. And then we would go to the, not the auditorium, the sanctuary, okay? And we would, around, I don't know what times, around 11 p.m., we would do worship, but then around 11 p.m., we would all, my dad was my pastor, we would all go to the altar and we would pray. And we would pray every New Year's Eve until we rang the new year in. Now, not all of us prayed, okay? Some of us slept our way into the new year, all right? And what I remember about the beginning of every new year was something that goes like this. Kelly, Kelly, it's time to go home because I fell asleep. I was like the disciples when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, all right? I couldn't tarry one hour, okay? It was just too much. And you know, not a lot's changed because I can't stay up till midnight now. I don't remember the last time uh, I was up for the beginning of a new year. So we've all got these different traditions, okay? And the point I'm going to make here as we go through this is let's don't get caught up in condemning somebody's traditions, okay? Let's talk about some of those uh, important traditions. Now, none of the contemporary Christian customs have their origin in theological or liturgical affirmations. So the Christmas tree, for instance, appeared around 1605 in France. So for about 418 years, we've been putting up Christmas trees as a symbol of tradition of Christmas. According to tradition, the Advent calendar was created in the 19th century by a Munich, a German housewife who tired of having to answer her kids endlessly when Christmas was coming. Amen? The first Advent commercial calendars were printed in Germany in 1851, so a little less than 200 years ago. Now, the intense preparation for Christmas that's part of the commercialization of the holiday has blurred the traditional liturgical distinction between Advent and the Christmas season. Toward the end of the 18th century, the practice of giving gifts, amen, I love gifts, the practice of giving gifts to family members became established in the 18th century. Now, does anyone know when Christmas cards were established? It's around the 19th century, okay? So Austria and Germany were the first countries to make the connection between the Christian festival and the family holiday by identifying the Christ child as the giver of gifts to the family. So that's where we're going to pick up the story in the Bible. And here's what I want you to understand. Go and have fun this holiday season. Enjoy the traditions, you know, Red poinsettias, Christmas trees, lights, wreaths, all of this. Enjoy it. Have fun. 
But understand this. If we don't find the person in Christmas, we've lost the purpose for Christmas. Traditions are great. They're wonderful. Have fun with them, okay? Tasha and I, I was telling her this morning, she, she's found this pole and she's put it up and it's going to hold all of our stockings and now we got to get another one so we can start to put grandkids' stockings up, right? Because we've got a grandkid on the way here pretty soon. And so all of that is so much fun. And I cannot tell you how, how full my heart is this Christmas season because of all of that. But in the midst of that, it's very, very important that we understand the purpose of Christmas. And so we begin today in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. How do we find the Christ in Christmas? Look at what it says. Now, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, you can read the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. We just read that. And the next 16 verses tell you the genealogy of Jesus going all the way back to the beginning of time. Jesus' lineage can be traced all the way back to Adam and Eve. So here's the question. How do we find the Christ in Christmas that changes us forever? Look at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ... It took place in this way. So how do we find the Christ? Number one, we trust the story of Jesus in the Bible. We trust the story of Jesus in the Bible. Question, if you're watching online, you can respond in the thread. Was anybody here when Jesus was born? Did anybody lay eyes on him? Oh, nobody. So nobody in this room, nobody in this world is an eyewitness to what we're getting ready to talk about. So I, what I want you to understand here is when the Bible says it took place this way, I have to nod my head and go, okay, by faith I believe it. This is where faith begins. This is where tradition ends. Okay, what we're talking about now is not tradition. What we're talking about now is a faith that will carry you through all of eternity. And so I want you to understand, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And the, everything else I'm going to talk to you about now is going to require you to put faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do that today through what God's Word has to say, and so therefore, you have to put faith in the Bible. And if you don't put faith in the Bible, there's no way for you to know the accurate account of the first Christmas of Jesus Christ. And so, here we go. Verse 18. When his Jesus, Mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, let me stop there. 
Betrothed simply means to us engaged. They were engaged. Before they came together, what does that mean to us? Before they consummated their marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, we got to read that statement again because that's a statement for the ages, all right? Let me tell you something. This is a game changer, okay? Listen to it. When his Jesus mother, Mary, had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they consummated the marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's something I love about the Bible. And this is, to me, some proof that the Bible is real and true. The Bible has real people in it. And when the Bible talks about acts of faith, like the one we're seeing here, real people react like real people. And we're going to see that. And that's what's beautiful about the Bible. The Bible is not an unrelatable book. When you read the Bible, you go, oh, I probably would have responded the same way. And so what we are going to read here is an accurate description that by faith we have to choose to believe that the Bible is telling us. But imagine, is there anybody in the house that's engaged? Is anyone in the house engaged? You're engaged, Danny? All right. Anybody else? Is anyone else engaged? No one else. You may be engaged online. If you are, put it in the thread. Imagine this now. Imagine your fiancé coming to you and saying, Hey, kind of had a wild weekend. All right? Yeah? You might want to sit down. Have some more eggnog. All right? Over the weekend, I was impregnated by God. Try that one at Christmas, see how it goes. And you would say, excuse me? What? 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 Do you think I'm an idiot? I mean, it's one thing to cheat on me. It's another thing to come up with a ridiculous lie like that to my face. Like, who am I? What am I to you? I mean, I want you to think about what it would be like for somebody that you are engaged to be married to, and they say such a ridiculous story to you. So look at Joseph's response, verse 19. Her husband, Joseph. We'd call it fiancé. Now, he was a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to, somebody say it, what? Come on, say it louder, what? I'll divorce her quietly. Hmm. So, I'm going to say it nicely, and then I'm going to say it not so nicely. Joseph 
didn't believe her. Let that sink in. Who would? Like, come on, who would? Now I'm going to say it not so nice. He thought she was lying. He thought she was just lying to him. And he was a good man, and he wasn't going to compound her problem for her, but he wasn't going to put up with it. He wasn't going to live through this. He wasn't going to be a part of this. And so I want you to understand, you ready? Joseph couldn't find the Christ in Christmas. So if you can't, you're in good company. You're in good company. What we're talking about here is not normal for the natural mind to believe. One of the questions that I love to ask both believing and unbelieving people is this. Have you ever experienced something in your life that you can't explain? I've only had one person in my lifetime tell me, no, I've never experienced anything that I can't explain. I'm just curious because I'm a risk-taking fool. Is there anybody in the house that's never experienced something they couldn't explain? Please, there's, there's no wrong answer. Have you ever gone through something? So, Don, you've never experienced anything in your life that you couldn't explain. Oh, you have experienced something you couldn't. I'm saying you've never. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, it's helpful. Because I've only met one person in my lifetime that said, everything I've, everything I've gone through, I can explain with natural terms. Okay. So I said to this guy, he just so happened to be the father of one of my friends that's not a Christian, been a dear friend of mine for a long time. And I said to him, he's British and he was visiting from England, this was a number of years ago. And I said, could I give you a challenge, sir? He's like, sure, go right ahead. I said, I want to challenge you to say, God, if you are real, do something in my life that I can't explain. He was like, I'm going to take your challenge. And so I, I think it was like maybe like a year later or something, um, I hear back through my friend. He said, you know, uh, my dad went back to England and he was in his flat in his apartment. And uh, one night while he was asleep, he woke up. And he looked at the foot of his bed, and there was a little girl there. And it freaked him out. And so he closed his eyes. You remember that? I remember when I was a little kid, I opened my eyes, and I saw Frankenstein in my room. I was like, i got to close my eyes. I don't want to see that. It's scary. He said, I opened it. he opened his eyes again, and she was still there. So he closed them really tight, never opened them again. The next morning when he woke up, he was like, boy, that was a crazy dream. He got out of the bed, and all throughout of his apartment were footprints the size of this little girl's feet. They were white footprints. Now, this guy's not a Christian, okay? So do with this story whatever you want. This is not a Christian voodoo story, all right? <laughs> this is an unbelieving man, the only one that's ever told me he hadn't experienced something he couldn't explain. And later, that little girl came back with a grown woman, which he assumed was his mo- her mother, and stood at the foot of his bed again. And then there were footprints of her and the little girl 
in his house. You say, what was that? Well, if you believe the Bible, the Bible informs what we believe. So guess what? Those were angels. You go, there's female angels? Yes, you should read the Bible. (laughs) Highly recommend it to you. Book of Zechariah. Female angels. Beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful story. Listen to me. You're going to rub shoulders with people that think you're crazy because you believe in Jesus. But they've got stories in their life that make them think they're crazy. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. They're experiencing things in their life that they're struggling to explain. Joseph, uh, he was a just man, but he didn't believe what had happened to him. He couldn't explain it. So look what happens. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know, I was awakened this morning at um, 4.23. And so I, I got up. And, but when I woke up, I had had this dream. And I went and I wrote it all down because I have, you say, what does it mean? I have no idea what it means, okay? So I'm not going to get into it because I don't know what it means. But I will tell you one part. I woke up with a Johnny Cash song playing in my head. Okay? And I will tell you, I cannot remember the last time I listened to Johnny Cash. And some of you that are younger are like, Johnny who? Okay? And, but I wrote it all down. And I would highly encourage you that when you experience things that are impressionable in your life, even if you don't understand them, write them down. Write them down. Date them. Put a time stamp beside them. And just wait. Just be patient. Just be patient with the Lord. Maybe he's got something he's trying to say to you that he can't say to you when you're awake. Joseph, son of David, this is what the angel said, do not fear. Do not fear. I love this. Because every time God visits me, it scares the living daylights out of me. Absolutely scares me. I mean, there is just a holy terror that comes over me. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her, it's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. She'll call his name Jesus. And he's going to save his people from their sins. Wow. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Prophet who? Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Huh. Joseph's like, huh, that's my wife. Let that sink in. I've read that verse a thousand times. I had no idea that was going to be my wife. I mean, I want you to think about the personalization of this moment for him. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, going to bear a son, and they shall call his name. Somebody say it. Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. God is with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How do you find the Christ in Christmas? Number two, we trust Joseph heard from God in a dream. We trust him. 
Man, I want you to think about this. Your wife comes to you and says, God's impregnated me. That's, gonna, that's a tall hurdle to get over, right? It would take a dream from the holy angel of God. I want you to understand these are real people living real lives. But what's so significant about this? What's so significant about this moment? See, Matthew was speaking to a predominantly Jewish audience that understood the scandalous beginning of Jesus' existence. He knew how outlandish and how crazy this story was. And he knew, and you know this, if you choose to by faith believe what the Bible says, it will affect how people view you. It will affect your reputation and how people see you as one of those Jesus freak people. One of those people that is a person of faith. Every Jewish person knew what Moses said about dreams. What did Moses say about dreams? Let's look at it. Deuteronomy 13 verse 1. And when the nation of Israel was being formed, the the law was being given, Moses wrote these words that Jews have followed for thousands of years. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, you go, dreamer of dreams, dreamer. Joseph, that'd be me. That'd be me. I, okay, what's he want to say to me? If a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, that'd be me, okay, talking about Jesus, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, you go, well, he wasn't going after other gods. As far as the Jews were concerned, he was. He's saying, hey, just want to give everybody a heads up. Belly, the, the belly you see getting bigger there? That's God inside. Verse 3, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him, keep His commandments, obey His voice. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or dreamer shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. And so you shall purge the evil from your midst. See, the problem that the Jews had and still have today, the same Jews that are fighting in Israel right now at this moment, the, the problem they have is they do not believe Jesus is God. And so any Jew that lived during the time of Joseph knew this passage. And here's what Joseph knew. If I go tell everybody, that my wife is carrying the Son of God. This is what I deserve. I deserve death because I am leading them to another God. I want you to understand that what Joseph understood at the first Christmas, the early church understood as well. And here we are thousands of years later, okay? And I, I, was, I couldn't sleep 
uh, I think it was Tuesday night, Wednesday. I can't remember. It's not been a good week of sleep. And I got up and I went and I turned on the television like one in the morning. And there was a woman on the news outlet, a Jewish woman here in the United States, and here's what she said. You better care that they're coming after us because after they come after us, they're coming after you. Angel of the Lord said to Joseph, verse 22, This took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's the prophet Isaiah. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. The angel is quoting the Bible, saying in essence, the God of the Bible, Joseph, that spoke to Moses is the same God that spoke to you. See, what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph was, go look at this passage. Yes, Deuteronomy is important, but Isaiah came after that to fulfill Deuteronomy, and you are the part of fulfilling that. You, your wife, and this little baby. Can you imagine? Can you imagine holding Jesus for the first time going, Whoa. Don't drop him. Don't screw this up. This is the Savior of the world. And then he pooped in his diaper. And then he had a runny nose. That's amazing. I mean, sometimes we forget these are real people in the story. Real people, just like you and me. You go, yeah, but they were famous. To us, not to anybody living in that day, they were scorned. They were shamed. Did you read the story? He was going to put her away quietly. He wasn't going to shame her, but he wasn't going to be shamed himself. Do you understand that if you want to be a hero in eternity, you've got to be a nobody now? You got to accept that. You ain't here to make a name for yourself. You're here to make his name famous. And if you want to be famous in the kingdom of God, you're here to make his name famous. That's it. Who are you? I don't care. I don't care if anybody. You go, you want to make a name for yourself? No. No. I want to make Jesus famous. And if I do that, then I have succeeded with my life. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. This is a crazy leap of faith, but are you ready? Joseph is telling all of us, the baby in my wife's belly, that's God. So principle number three, how do we find the Christ in Christmas? We trust the baby in Mary's belly was God. Was God. It takes faith to find Christ in Christmas. But that faith in Jesus changes everything forever. See, Jesus is the origin of Christmas. And all the traditions that come around should amplify the person who is the purpose for why Christmas exists. And I just want to encourage you that we live in a world 
that has no idea who Jesus is. They have no idea who Jesus is. When we came 26 and a half years ago and started this church, one of the first people we met, her name was Susan. She used to do the morning news on KKTV, CBS News. And she came to our little apartment, and we got to share the gospel with her. We told her, Jesus is God. And the Bible says that Jesus is God. And here's what she said. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.